Mine Head Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 8th of May 2022. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul's continuing our series looking at a key truth, with the world's view of truth. The reading is Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 8, and this week we'll join it as the worship group are finishing the first block of worship. and glory not just this morning Lord but every day and we thank you for all your blessings Lord and we pray that you would bless the offering this morning that you would, you would bless it that your kingdom would extend not just in this place but in many places Lord through the, through the giving of your faithful servants in Jesus name Amen sorry you've been standing for a long long time so take a seat Mark's in the house with his defibrillator um, <laughs> Uh, I was going to say he's going to tug at your heartstrings. Yeah. But I, uh, <laughs> Keep them coming, they're good. Good morning, everyone. Oh, who's feeling good? I'm feeling good. That was a good worship time. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thank you, Lord. Okay, who understands how things work? There's not, no, that's good. Okay, all right. I'm a little bit, I get perplexed about how things work. I know they work, because they work, but I don't know how they work, all right? Who understands why God loves you? I don't get it, but he does, all right? So I'm just going to explain. So first of all, a CD, who knows what a CD is? Okay, certain ages will understand that. A CD, I've got a little CD here. I have no idea how that CD works. Can you see any songs on that? Right? I can't see any songs. There's apparently there's little grooves in there somewhere, but there's a song in there, and if you put it in the machine, the song comes out. How? No idea. I can't work it out. What? Go on. Fantastic. All right? All right? Okay. I still stay with my thing. I don't understand it. All right? People cleverer than me do. I don't. Okay? All right? But yeah, it works. It does work. I don't understand how he did it. But God put a song in my heart. He put a song in my heart. When I'm sad, all right, which I do sometimes, there's a song to cheer me up. Normally a Christian song cheers me up. Okay? When I'm happy, there's a song that I can praise. I don't understand how God does it, but he put a song in my heart. And then the next thing I don't understand, all right? Telephones. Who's got a telephone? All right, I've got one of these ones. How does that work? All right, so I can ring anyone, even Auntie Jean in Australia, all right? And Auntie Jean in Australia will answer and talk. Not only that, these days on this phone, I could actually look at Auntie Jean in Australia. Okay? And Auntie Jean could look at me. I don't understand how it works, but it works. Any idea, Ollie? No. Okay. All right, just, just thought I'd check. You never know. Okay? All right? I don't get it. I don't understand prayer. I don't know how I can talk to God in heaven 
and he can talk to me at any time. But he does. And prayer works. Don't understand, but it works. And now medicine. Who's on medicine? Here we go. When I first thought of this, I did think we'd do one of those standing up things. And I thought, would everyone stand up? And if you're only taking one medicine a day, sit down. If you're only taking two, sit down. And we'll see who actually rattles in the morning. All right? But I've decided not to do that. Okay? All right? Medicine. I don't understand how paracetamol or medicine works. Because if I have a pain in my leg, I take the medicine in my mouth. How does it know how to go all the way down and just fix the pain in my leg? All right? Don't get it. But it works. Ollie? No? Okay. Okay. You need to do more research in the morning, mate. Right? I don't get it. And I don't understand how God can heal the deepest, deepest hurt and pain in my life. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. He heals us physically, mentally, spiritually. I don't know how he knows where the pain is, but he gets to it. Don't know how it works, but it does. And then another one, a calculator. Anyone understand how a calculator works? How you can put all those really big numbers in... And within seconds, it gives you the answer. Don't understand how it works. Richard, do you know? I used to. You used to. Okay, that's good. That's more than I ever did. I just did it. I was one of the first youngsters to be able to take a calculator into an exam. I know, I'm that old. Okay, that old. And I don't know how God has all the answers to the problems of my life. I don't understand, but he does. If I take those problems, he understands and he can work them out. Remote controls for tellies. Okay, I'm expecting... Who likes to control the remote control for the telly? There's an awful lot of... Oh, there are girls' hands. Yeah, there's girls' hands going up. It's normally men that like to control. In the olden days... Right? In the olden days, everyone, my dad had a remote control for the telly. It was me. Right? And he used to say, go and change the channel. Go and turn it up. Right? But now you have this thing that you can just press, something like that. You can just press and it does everything. Okay? Don't understand how it works. Again, Ollie? No? Okay. Right? Okay, infrared sense. A little red light does come on my remote. Yeah, infrareds, well done, you do know. Well done. I don't understand how it works. But it does. From a distance, I can control the telly. And I don't know how God, up in heaven, can control everything here on earth. But he does. God has plans. God is in control of what's going on. I know God is in control. So don't sit there thinking you need to know how all these things work. You don't need to know the ins and outs of how a remote control works, how a calculator, 
how medicine, how CDs, how phones. They work. You don't need to understand how God works things out. How God works in your life. How God has control and helps you and heals you. You don't need to know how. But you do need to know he does. Let's pray. Lord, you are an awesome God. An awesome God in control. An awesome God of power. An awesome God of love and care. Lord, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you're in control and you look after me. Even if I don't understand why and how, I just need to know you do. Amen. Okay, I think we're all out. Are we going out? Or are... Yes, sure. uh, are you going to pray for us, Roy? Is that right? No, uh, we're going to. Well, no, I'm going to. Gonna... You're not going to pray. Okay, all right, then we'll just go then. We'll just go. No, I've, no it's, <laughs> it's not just me. As the children leave, Steve, have I okay, got. Let's go. Sit on. Oh, as the children leave, I'm going to ask you to pray for them. As they pass you by, just pray for them. Just pray a prayer of blessing. Blessing on fire starters, on the leaders, on the teachers, on the volunteers. Bless them, Lord. Big gaps, doesn't it? Yeah. Both in the seats and in our hearts as well. <laughs> but bless them. We're going to just continue in worship. Whether you want to stand or, or, or sit for the next couple of songs, uh, it's entirely up to you. Just use them as prayers. But uh, as, we, as we come towards prayers of intercession... this morning that we would surrender all to you that you would take all and have all and be all and all that we have and are be glorified Lord we pray in Jesus name Amen Friends we're going to come before our Lord with our prayers of intercession and we're going to take the words that you've just sung very seriously we're going to give all of these situations over to our Lord. I'm going to pray for two things this morning. The first is for the peace of the world. So let's pray. Father, we acknowledge, we acknowledge the mess that humanity has made of this world. That we don't live in the peace and the love of Jesus Christ. But rather we live in a very different world, a fallen world. And so this morning we come and we think of those areas around the world where there is conflict. In Europe, in Ukraine, 
in Africa, in Asia, throughout South America. We acknowledge that there are conflicts and issues fighting man against man, group against group, nation against nation. We acknowledge, Lord, that that was not how it was supposed to be. How your perfect plan in the garden was actually ruined by us. And so we come and we simply say, Lord, throughout the whole world, may you bring peace. The peace that glorifies you. May it be your solutions to these issues and problems that give you the greater glory. And Lord, we could all stand and say, we want peace this way. But my prayer is not for that. But that the world would experience peace your way. That we would give you our hearts and let you reign on a global scale. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, we're also going to pray at the start of Mental Health Awareness Week. The prayer, this is a very special prayer, written by uh, one, someone that's a, a member of the church family here, and who themselves has some of those issues around uh, mental health. It deals with them admirably. But actually, this prayer is written from their heart. In another way, this is giving their heart to you this morning, as we begin a week of mental health awareness. Let's pray. Father, as we approach the start of Mental Health Awareness Week, I pray that within you we will be still and know that you are God. You are the God of the broken, a friend of the weak. You wash the feet of the weary and embrace the ones in need. So, Father, for those who are unwell at this time, and suffering with their mental health, bring peace over them. For those who feel so overwhelmed, walk with them, Father, this morning. And this morning, for those who may be living in darkness because of their mental health illness issues, show them your light. Father, mental health can be so debilitating and lonely. Help us to ignore the voices that tell us we're not good enough we're not worthy, or that we're unloved. And Lord, from all of you, your teaching, help us to know that within you, we are accepted, significant, and secure. For we are a child of God. Father, so, for so many, mental health issues are a daily struggle. So we pray for those who are in mental health hospitals at this time. Give them your peace, we pray. And bless the staff who care for them. For those who are unwell, Lord, surround them and bless them. Give those struggling the courage to face their challenges and help us to identify mental health issues as the conditions and illnesses that they are, that we might overcome the stigma and support those we know and love with the love that our Father has first given us. 
with compassion and with grace. And may that, Lord, not just be a practice for this week, but may we do that always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And to that person who shares their heart with you that way this morning, I want on behalf of church to publicly thank them for the bravery and the sensitivity of that prayer. And say, may the Lord bless you mightily. Amen. Friends, we're going to listen to words of scripture now. Clive, I think you're coming to read from us, or are you going to read from there, or read from here? You're reading from there. Clive's going to bring to us uh, words of scripture from Paul's letter to the Romans. The reading this morning is from Romans 12, verses 1 to 8, Living Sacrifices. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Clive, for the reading of God's word. We're going to look at this morning at what, on the face of it, sounds a bit of a strange subject. The world's view of truth. And you kind of go, why? Well, friends, in the past couple of weeks, we've looked at some fundamental truths. We looked at who we are now in Christ. And we've looked at the facts that faith is simply a choice to believe what God tells us is already true. But for the next three weeks, we're going to turn our attention to things that try and deflect us from truth, from that truth. We're going to look at the world, the flesh and the devil. That's a big build up, Richard. You've got the next two weeks on the flesh and the devil. But they... We're going to begin by looking at the world. At how the world tries to make us look at reality in a way that is opposed to what God actually says it is. Bluntly, the world you, I, we grew up in, influences us to look at life in a particular way. And to see that way as truth. 
But it doesn't stack up those ways to what God said is true. So let's start with that. I was reading from Romans. Because we do learn a couple of critical things from one verse in particular of that verse in Romans. It is, of course, verse 2. And Paul writes, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform, Paul writes, any longer to the pattern of this world. So the first thing that we learn is the world has a pattern. And we might say a system or a culture that we, we grew up in, that we, where we lived. And that, of course, has an impact on us. And that will vary greatly depending upon where we're from. I'm going to talk about that almost as if it were a person. Because it's the easiest way of doing so and showing you what I mean. A person with its own thoughts and deeds. But let's be honest, it isn't true. That isn't true. However, there is someone behind it. Here's my argument. Jesus in 1231, in John 1231, says that Satan is the ruler of this world. To a significant extent, he is the one that is behind the systems and the cultures of this world that we grow up in. And he works through it. It's as if he pulls the strings a little. So we learn there's a pattern. But we learn something else from that reading from Paul. We learn we need to be transformed. Friends, the good news of this morning is this. God has a good, a pleasing and a perfect plan for his children. And he has a good, pleasing and perfect plan for you. He wants you to be transformed. A transformed person with a renewed mind, living to honour and obey him. And he does that, not for any selfish reasons of his own, but he does it because he wants the best for you. The truth is, if you want the very best life you can ever have, follow God's plan. It is that simple. And he was dedicated to it too. Because he gave his only son. That that might be possible. I am a new creation. What about you? But I am a new creation, not because of any goodness of my own. But because the saviour gave himself for me. And rose again. And that means this new life I have should be joyful. And it should be a life of living sacrifice to his service. So this morning the question is a very simple one. How come then, if all that's true, and it is true because scripture tells us it's true, how come then that you and I so often fall, that you so often fall, into living by the patterns of the world rather than the plans God has for you? How come? Or another way of putting that is to say this. How does the world try and divert us from the truth? Firstly, the world does something that's a falsehood. The world promises to meet your deepest need. It was really special, blessing and Stephen, to welcome life last week into the church. We all agree? Beautiful to be able to welcome him into our church family. And for those of you that weren't here, there was for me personally a very special moment. There he was. And we took him around the church and he didn't cry. What a special moment. 
But of course, the reality is that as we look at life, he is a reminder that his needs, and I mean all of them, are taken care of by mum and dad at this time, aren't they? He's loved, accepted, secure, and significant, and he knows that as he lies even this morning in Blessing's arms. As he, as we grow, that starts to change. And the world around us starts to promise to meet those deepest needs in us. It says, I can meet that. But it lies. And in case you hadn't realised it, the world lies. God speaks truth. Because we're created, friends, with a really deep need. To have the kind of life, in essence, Adam and Eve had. Because if you think of their life in the garden before the fall, what was true was they were 100% accepted by God. 100% significant in his sight. And they were perfectly secure with him. But that's not the life you and I were born into. And so from the first moments we grow up, and instinctively start to look to fulfill those deep needs for acceptance, security, and significance, along comes the world and says, no problem, I've got this, I'll show you how. And it lies. And the world lies, or as Paul says, shows us patterns of how to live. And the world gives us false formulas. So I'm going to bowl you over now with some mathematical formulas. Is that okay? Everyone good at maths? You really don't have to be, I promise. As long as you know what the word plus means. Everyone okay with that? Here's the formulas the world gives us. It says performance plus accomplishment equals significance. Got that? Think of it logically. That's what the world says. It says status plus recognition equals security. It says appearance plus admiration equals acceptance. And each of those is wrong. They're all wrong. But in the absence in our lives generally of that perfect spiritual connection that Adam had, we naturally follow those lies as we grow up. We follow that pattern anyway. Or to put it in the words of Paul, as he writes to the, the church in Ephesus, This is what Paul says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Can you see the false way that Paul talks about there? This ruler of the kingdom of the air. We follow his ways. Now I can attest to you personally that those lies don't work. I promise you I've tried them all out at one stage or another. And I'll prove it. I I suspect I wasn't a very nice youth to grow up around. And as I grew up, as I went through my youth, the problem just got worse and worse and worse. I longed to fit in somewhere, longed to belong. And I longed to be three of what was then called the council estate that I grew up on. Longed to be free of it. Now my sister, who is 17 years older than me, had got away. 
She'd married. She'd got two really lovely children, owned a really lovely house, got a bigger bank balance than I think I've seen in my life, and as far as I was concerned, was happy. And so I thought, how is it possible that I can do that? How do I escape? At the moment I thought that, and I'd have been in my early teens, I couldn't move away. But perhaps I could do something else. Perhaps I could be accepted on the estate. So, hold on a minute, how was I going to do that? I know, I'll appear, I'll appear rather, as though I'm supremely confident, both of myself and my status amongst the others on the estate. And that will leave them not only looking up to me, but admiring me. Particularly if they disagreed with me and I beat it into them with my fists. That would lead to acceptance, wouldn't it? That's the world's formula, isn't it? That sounds brilliant. Although at the time I thought that was a really good plan, and I did manage to enforce a few things with my fists, the reality was the plan never worked. And when I became a Christian, I did find the most amazing acceptance of the Lord. And by the by, it was only after I'd begun to tell those same people that I'd clobbered with my fists about the love of Jesus. I've got to tell you, I wish I could have taken you all back to some of those conversations when they thought, oh, what's going on? I just want, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. You should have seen the look on their face. And this chap that formerly would have hit you comes and just says, the Lord loves you. And they go... When I told them of how Jesus had transformed my own life, that was when they started to truly accept me. Because in truth, my acceptance wasn't in their response, but because I was secure, accepted and significant in my saviour. That made all the difference. You and I, friends... Are, conform, are called not to conform to the patterns of this world with its behaviour and its customs that are usually selfish and often corrupting, but to live by submitting ourselves to the will of God. The world would say it's nonsense, but it's truth. And Paul calls us to do this because, in my opinion, he does something. He understands that the world paints for each of us what looks like to be a complete picture, but is ultimately a false picture of reality. Wherever you grew up, that's true. I think I can prove that to you. How do I know it to be true? Because the worldview, particularly in our Western world at this time is that the world is saying, we don't need God. And it's nonsense. You cannot take God out of the equation. It must be rubbish, mustn't it? Or is it me? That, am I the only one that thinks if you don't have God, it's nonsense? The world says, this is how things are. This is a worldview. This is reality. So get used to it. And change to it. Change, dear church, to suit the world view, the cultural view. Because it's only being in line with what the world says that you can find true acceptance and security and significance. What culture says you can or indeed cannot do, church, is what you absolutely must do or you'll never find acceptance. And I want to tell you the truth is quite the reverse. 
If we go down the route, if the Church of Jesus Christ in this country says, we'll bend to meet the way of culture, we will be doing disrespect to our Lord. Because it ain't true at all. And in any case, what worldview are we going to conform to? The worldview of East, Western Europe is not the same as Africa or Asia or South America. Whose worldview is right? Which one is truth? Because they cannot all be true. So Paul does something in this passage which is stunning. Okay? He then calls us to one more thing. He says in verse 2, do not conform. And so this morning, Paul calls you and me to non-conformity. I want to look, you know, this morning, if I could say, dear church, everyone online, I'm calling you to be a rebel. I'm calling you not to conform to the patterns of the world, but to conform to the holiness of God. Because the truth doesn't belong to any worldview, whatever or wherever or whenever you come from. But rather, frankly, friends, God's truth is still truth. And a call to non-conformity, or not to conform, is something that God constantly addresses to his people in scripture. Here's my scriptural evidence, okay? If you think of it for a moment, how God's word came to Israel through Moses in these three passages, Leviticus 18, or 2 Kings 17, or Ezekiel 11. What you discover is that each of those passages say at their heart, you must not do as they do, whether it's in the land of Canaan, or whether it's talking about another people. Or, do not follow their practices, you must obey my laws. Can you see how God is saying, don't conform to the world around you, but be my people, my holy people, conform to my ways. Or if you don't like, think that's necessarily up to date and modern, what about the words of Jesus? In Matthew 6, 8, during the Sermon of the Mount, when surrounded by the false devotion of Pharisees and pagans, Jesus says to his disciples, do not be like them. At a time when being a Pharisee was the height of what the Jewish world thought was acceptance, security and significance in God. We have a counter-cultural Lord. And he doesn't say, it's okay. I'll bend my ways to the world's. He says to the world, no, you bend your ways to mine. And he does not want you and me or the church of Jesus Christ to be like chameleons, taking our colouring from the surrounding. We are not people called to conform to the prevailing culture, but we are people called to, to conform the culture to the way of God. Or to use the word Paul uses here, transform. We need to stop letting the world's view of truth squeeze us and squeeze us and squeeze us into the mould of prevailing culture. And instead, we need to let God use us to remould culture. That's what we prayed a while ago, didn't we? Take the walls down. Do you remember that prayer? You've got to start by taking the walls down in your own heart. And you've got to go for it. So this morning, if you're saying, what's the day about? It's saying, don't go the world's way, go God's way. Let's go for it. I'm excited by that. I'm terrified if we go the world's way. But I want to go the Lord's way. 
And we need to stop doing something that we have a tendency to do, particularly in the rest. We want to be light. The church wants to be light. We want to be seen not as weird in some way because we don't agree with all that's happening. We long to be thought of as middle of the road and not extremist. We want to agree that everyone has a point. That their ways of seeing the world are just as valid, maybe just as truthful as our own Christian view. And so we straddle the divide, we have a foot in both camps. And that gives us a problem. Because if we choose to do that, when God's view of truth is at odds with the world's view of truth... It means we're endorsing the world's view. In our culture of today, I want to say it's more important than ever, dear church, that we stand and we say, we choose for the truth of God. Because if I look around the world and I think of our world, our current postmodern Western worldview, that's what it's called, I look at it and I think it can't be true, surely. Want to know what I mean? How come we think it's right not to speak against the culture which says to our children you're measured by the number of friends or followers you have on an electronic device rather than those friends that will hug you and cry with you and love you and care for you? How come we let them know that it's okay to look at people because they've got loads of followers Rather than people they walk with, talk with, share with. How come it's right in our culture to say to the elderly, indirectly through the marketing that goes on in afternoon TV, day after day after day, and incidentally, thank you for those that have let me watch it while I've been having a cup of tea with you, but you get my drift, when all that there is 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 adverts for the elderly saying that the right thing to do when you have that time, your life's come to an end and you want to have your life and it's got to be a celebration, you want to say thank you to the Lord, is to not worry about that but to give all the money to the grandkids to help them buy a house. How come that's right? That we don't celebrate our elderly, look after them and care for them. How come? I want to tell you it's because that view of culture is a lie. God's truth is truth. And we need to follow it. We need to take the world's view of truth. And if you want to know what that is, that could be summed up in one verse in scripture. If you walk away from today knowing nothing at all but remembering this one verse, here's what I hope you you know. That Jesus says... I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whether your worldview fits that or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you like it or not, is irrelevant. Because that's truth. And it will be the truth no matter what you think. And am I saying, therefore, to this church, to our community, to the world, that there is only one correct view of reality and it's God's, and that alone is right? The truthful answer is yes. And if you say to me, well, okay, Paul, that might be a bit intolerant, I'm going to ask you to consider something with me. I'm going to ask you to consider the most important question that faces every single person on the planet. Here's the question. 
what happens when you die. In case you wonder, this is actually what is taught in world religions. Hinduism teaches that when a soul dies, it's reincarnated in another form. Christianity teaches that souls spend eternity in either heaven or hell. Spiritists think we float around as ghosts. And atheists believe that we have no soul. And when we die, our existence simply comes to an end. Now, do you think it's possible that all of those things can be true at the same time? Or to put it another way, does what you believe will happen when you die make a difference at all to what will actually happen? No. Or, if you want another question, will the same thing happen to everyone when they die, regardless of what they believe before they die? Yes. So there is truth. Not all those can be true. It's impossible. But the real truth, whether you choose to believe it or not, is that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To finish with, there's a lovely quote. Here's my quote, okay? It comes from a book by a chap called Oz Guinness. Yeah, the book is called Time for Truth. I, I love it because it sums it up for me. It says this, the Christian faith is not true because it works. It works because it's true. It's not simply true for us, it's true for any who seek in order to find. Because truth is truth, even if nobody believes it, and falsehood is false, even if everybody believes it. That's why truth does not yield to opinion, fashion, numbers, office, or sincerity. It is simply truth, and that is an end of it. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to do something profound. I'm going to invite you to cast off the world's view of truth and accept the Christ view of truth. Because I say to you, even if next week it's just me standing here because everyone's written me an email saying we're not coming because we don't agree with the truth that Jesus Christ is the truth, I'm going to stand here and say he is the truth no matter what. That's my invitation to you. I pray this morning that you'll make a conscious decision, a choice, to believe what the Bible says. And whether for the first time or the millionth time, to declare once again, I reject the world's view of truth and I hold on to the words of God's view. I choose the truth that Jesus is the way, the life and the truth. Amen. Let's pray, friends. If this is your prayer too, in your heart, on your lips, I just invite you to say amen with me. Lord Jesus, no matter what the world throws at me, I am making a decision today to only believe what you say is true in your word, the Bible. I choose not to be double-minded any longer, but to trust you and to make the Bible the core of what I believe. I renounce and I turn away from my previous worldview. And I make a new commitment today to base my life on the truth in your word. I know you are the way, the truth and the life. And you will be faithful to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
We're going to worship, but I'm going to warn you before Roy leads us in worship. But the first song is, I will offer up my life in spirit and truth. The reality is, this is one of those times when we could say, the tune is irrelevant, the words are holy. And if you offer up your life to him, he will take you literally. So only sing this if you're prepared to give him your all. I will offer up my life. ask the group just to keep playing that if they could those those just that last refrain as they were playing in my in my mind god just said to me paul you need to get up and just pray something for someone here so i'm going to do that the reality is i think for someone here maybe for more than one we're going to pray against the lies that you live with and i'm going to ask the rest of the church to join me in praying and if this relates to you can i invite you afterwards to come and see me or richard or someone you know and love And frankly, if we're here for a long time doing this, that's fine. But here's the prayer. Father, I pray, I I just had, you know, I had that amazing moment just a minute ago where you said, look, Paul, this refers to someone. So I pray against the lie and the lies that someone here holds on to. And whether this is one thing on the list or, or that I'm about to pray against or all of them, I don't know, Lord, but I do pray that everyone here will know the truth. I pray against the lie that we are weak. I pray against the lie that we're helpless or overcome or defeated. I pray against the lie that we're beaten or useless or worthless. I pray against the lie that we're unable or that what we do is unacceptable. I pray against the lie that we're far off from you. I pray against the lie that we live a lie. I pray against the lie that we are a dead, beaten people. I pray against the lie that someone's holding, that's telling them that you didn't go to the grave for them via the cross, that you haven't risen again. And I pray against that lie, the lie of the enemy, the old lie. I pray against the lie of the question of the enemy that says, did God say? I pray against the enemy that whispers in our ears. I pray against Satan's use of what is past to tell us this is our future. I pray against the reality that that the world tells us that this is how it is when God's truth says you shall be free. I pray against the lie of bondage. I pray against the lie of those cell doors that are shut against you. I pray against the lie of the brick wall you're building up. And I pray against the lie that you are feeding yourself that you are not God's child when you are loved by God. And I pray against all of that. By simply saying and reminding you that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I pray that this morning, you would accept that on your heart. You would realise you are his. And that which the Son of God has set free is free indeed. And no amount of trickery by the enemy can alter truth. I pray freedom for you, friend. 
And I'm going to invite the worship group, as we say amen, to lead you in the response that you need to make. I think this morning God says, my child, come water walk with me. Come do something you've never done before. Step out of the boat. Have an amazing time in my arms. Concentrate on me and you can and will walk on water. And I pray that in all that you do today in responding to him, he will be glorified. You call me out upon the waters, Lord. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to mindhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.